Hey there, welcome to Answer the Call with Kelsey Kemp. I am a career coach specialized in helping Christians discern their unique calling and then practically land a job or start a business that's aligned with it. And this podcast is all about that same thing. So this week's episode is a little unique. So last, well, once this airs, it will be exactly one week from my 27th birthday, I guess this past week now. Um, And it has had me thinking about the advice I would give, career advice I would give to my younger self, um, who I think was just such a a nervous person. Maybe I was thinking especially of um, being 22, having just graduated college and then the early years of my career. Think Well, still very much in the somewhat early years of my career in the grand scheme of things. But this just had me thinking of um, my younger self who was so nervous that things wouldn't pan out and I would never have a satisfying career and I wouldn't make too much of myself. (laughs) And I just kind of laugh now because I'm thinking of all the advice I would give that person, that uh, that younger me, which I'm going to detail out a few points in this episode. So I'm going to be sharing my top pieces of advice that I really think that my 20 through 24-year-old self really would have been so comforted and encouraged to hear as I was really trying to decide my major, decide what career path I was going to select from that, getting an internship, getting my first full-time job. And then after two years in that um, consulting job, deciding to make my first career switch into the business that I have now uh, for over two and a half years. So these three areas of, of advice that I'm going to center my points around are on picking a path to stepping into who I was created to be or who you're created to be, if you'd like to apply this advice to yourself. And then three, around personal and professional relationships and the significance those can have on your career and how, looking back, I would have really given myself advice on how to think a little bit differently about these things. So let's dive right in. I'm pretty excited about this. Um, I actually love listening to these types of podcasts when other podcasters do them. Just these reflections on, yeah, younger, what our younger selves needed to hear, I think. And so I hope that this is helpful to you as well or inspiring or entertaining. So that first area of advice I spoke about in terms of picking a path, let's dive right into there. So the points I would, (laughs) how awkward did I just sound? Wow. Anyway, but my points of advice around picking a path first off is I really wanted to just go back and tell myself it is okay. Here's the fact. You are going to pick a job that you hate in an industry that you don't have any desire to continue in. But the comfort and piece of advice here is that nothing is wasted and you are certainly not stuck. You are not stuck in the career path that you decide to set out in right at first, uh, right out of college. And 
I would also want to tell myself on this point that it's okay because the depth of frustration that you experience in that job is actually going to be something you use and something that you'll eventually see as necessary as what I needed to help me realize what I really most wanted for myself and for others, um, which would eventually reveal the mission I feel called to serve in. And so the lesson here is looking back, I think that choosing to have a really tough experience right out of college, like I knew what I was doing. I knew that I was selecting something that was going to be super challenging for me, by no means comfortable or even something I had experience in. I wasn't Uh, I didn't major in something technical. I did not major in like coding or um, anything like that, but I decided to go into um, technology consulting. So anyway, uh, I really, I look back and I think that tough experience really accelerated my path more than a lukewarm path would have. And so I think it's really good to throw yourself into a baptism by fire kind of experience. And you may very well, like me, find that you probably just would learn more and get to where you want faster than if I just chose to maximize my personal happiness right out of college in something I'm comfortable with. I think that especially the early phases of your career, it's just so valuable to do something challenging um, and get out of your comfort zone. So I would pat myself on the back, which I rarely ever did at the time. I was super hard on myself. And I would just say that I think, little Kelsey, like you're perfectly fine choosing a hard job that's way out of your comfort zone rather than optimizing your choices for personal happiness and comfort right out of college. And Like I said, I would beat myself up for blatantly going into something that wasn't going to make me happy. I already knew that. But in the end, it equipped and refined me probably more than a comfortable experience would have. So just don't be so hard on yourself. Like I would just look at my friends that I perceived were a lot happier in their jobs. And that's okay that that was their path. But it was also okay that this was mine. I would really kind of mentally assail myself and say like, oh my gosh, I was so stupid. Why did I do that? Um, So anyway, it's okay. Nothing is wasted and you're not stuck. And that kind of goes into my second point of advice, which is your first job out of college does not dictate the industry or career path or the specialty that you'll be in for the rest of your life. I don't think I initially thought this right out of college. Like I I chose consulting because especially since I was a business major, it was often talked about as the option that would give you many more options to figure out what you want to do later. And then it just opens a bunch of doors. So your options are still very open. It's okay. You could switch it up later. Um, so That's not what I thought initially out of college. I didn't have the impression that I was going to be stuck in that. But once I was ready to make my second job choice out of college, I went on to LinkedIn and Indeed and these different job boards um, and looking at all of those job postings really quickly started to convince me that I was stuck only doing essentially the same thing I was already doing because 
those job postings included a lot of statements in their requirements, like you need two or more (laughs) years of experience, essentially in this same role and same industry that you would be applying for, even though I was looking at even entry level positions. So the requirements just frankly were pretty ridiculous and not realistic. And I'll, I have more piece of pieces of advice I'll get into shortly that would help me realize that and apply anyway and still get into a different job. But I think I really needed this this assurance that your first job out of college does not dictate the industry or career path or specialty that you'll be in for the rest of your life because the reality is that's nowhere near true i i had if i really took a clear inventory and was confident in that i did have so many generic and transferable skills that i could have used to get into a plethora of other industries and roles i think i just became convinced that i was stuck in that path because i had started out you know just because of those job postings that didn't represent the full truth and i with a lot of the things i know now about how job applications and um the strategy behind career pivots work you aren't limited to those crazy high requirements that are really inflated and that are trying to convince you that, oh no, you're only qualified for what you've already done. So that's another piece of advice and comfort that I would solicit to my uh, my past self. And then next, the third piece of advice under this heading that I would give to myself along these lines is that employers even if they don't fully realize it, are often really just looking to hire someone with the right traits, not just the right experiences. And what I mean by this is I I really got this from talking to a lot of managers and people in leadership um, since doing a lot more networking and learning and developing into the career coaching practice I have today. Um, And having a lot of these conversations with managers and people in leadership, I've learned that definitely the most desirable traits that they crave, they are literally like praying for candidates to come along that exhibit resourcefulness, like the ability to be able to learn and figure things out without handholding, adaptability, and the personal resolve to have ownership of your results. And so if you have these things, that just means you're a dream employee. And I think, in other words, there's so many hiring managers out there that they'll just, you know, they're doing their best. They are trying to find the best candidate through a job posting. And so what they list are inflated requirements of responsibilities that they hope you're comfortable with um, in order to hopefully um, find the right candidate through a LinkedIn job posting or an Indeed job posting. But really, once they get into the interviews, they're hoping to just find someone that proves that they can learn and adapt and do well in any job. (laughs) Um, And It's not just about having past experience in these certain responsibilities um, that pertain to the position because the reality is they're expecting 
like employers truly expect to have to train you in all the details of the job or many of the details of the job. They just want to make sure that you're smart, trustworthy, and have personal leadership and conscientiousness that's required to be able to do the job well once the training wheels are off. So I think that there's a disconnect between what gets put as a requirement in job postings versus the true inherent goals that a hiring manager is holding when they're evaluating and trying to find candidates. And all of this, if I really knew this advice, I think it would encourage me to have really embodied the confidence that like, hey, I'm a, I'm the type of person that's a great employee. And honestly, there's not that many of those. I hope that doesn't sound arrogant, but um, I, and I can learn the rest. I can learn the tactics. I can learn the responsibilities on the job. And they actually know that. Like, I just need a chance to get in the room and get in that interview and show them. Um, And I really think that realizing this would have given me the boldness to apply for jobs I didn't meet 100% of the qualifications for, which I think, honestly, this is something that's often talked about in, unfortunately, a breakdown between men versus women. It's just a bit more, I think that there's that stat that the average male job seeker will apply for a position that they meet 60% of the requirements for when the average female job seeker is looking to only apply for jobs that they have 9 out of 10 or even 10 out of 10 of the requirements for. And so I wish that I embodied more of this advice that I'm giving under this point because (laughs) like just shoot for 60% is totally fine. (laughs) Um, Anyway, um, so the fourth out of five points that I want to make under this topic is kind of funny and very simple. I wish that my younger self could have listened to the podcast that my older self has published on being multi-passionate because under this point of needing these certain pieces of advice that would have maybe helped me select a path confidently and not have so much anguish in the analysis paralysis and making the decision. I think a lot of it was centered around having so many interests and so many things that I would consider I was passionate about. So um, I think if I knew the advice that I detailed out specifically in two episodes, episode 27, in which I talked about how to choose a job when you're multi-passionate. And then last week's episode that I published um, titled, Think You're Multi-Passionate, Why You're Probably Not, and How This Is Good News. You'll have to go listen to those episodes to get the detailed advice and what I mean under those two headings or titles. But the comfort here that I wanted to mention in this episode is if I knew all that advice I detailed in those episodes, I would know it is completely possible to settle into a focused career path that you're fully satisfied with, even if you have a lot of other interests. Like those interests, either the truth is can be incorporated into still a focused career path, like you could find out how they harmonize into a path, a singular path, or they actually can very comfortably and fully be satisfied in hobbies. So you're fine. You're fine. Um, you're not this person that has too many interests to actually n- not 
always deal with the torment of FOMO. Like, oh, I can't, I can't actually be focused. I can't really be satisfied if I just choose one thing. Um, and practically the advice here is I would want to tell my younger self that to look for the motives behind all those flashy random career ideas you're considering. Because the key is in asking yourself, what is the most meaningful problem someone could solve in my life right now? And that's the question that really was a game changer for me. And finding the problem that I most care cared to resolve for myself was eventually the problem I would realize I most cared to solve for other people, which was helping others find a path they truly feel called to and so that they could have a meaningful and purposeful career that really makes the impact that they dream of, not just for you know their own pride and sense of significance, but truly to go out there and make fruitful use of like using your talents to genuinely help other people in a way you really believe in and are excited to spend your life doing. And anyway, the last piece of advice I want to mention along the lines of helping my younger self pick a path is I wish I really knew and was comforted by the fact that few decisions or failures are irreversible or insurmountable. And I heard this piece of advice, I think um, a few years back, that was the rate at which you make decisions is your success rate. Because like the person was saying, if you're going to make a bad decision, either now or two weeks from now, just make it so you could already learn, move on, get the feedback, experience new things, and then make another decision. Constantly just keep learning, growing, deciding. And I, so I, I think that if I were comforted in that, like, hey, just go out, try, be active in testing things out, experiencing new things, that requires decisions. And I think what's required to make those decisions is just putting your mind at ease that it's okay, this isn't irreversible. Or if I feel like this leads to a failure, that's not insurmountable. Most likely, more good than bad is going to come from it. How about this? Let's go on to the next phase of advice, which is the advice I would give myself around stepping into who I was created to be. I think I really, really needed to hear these two pieces of advice. One, you are not stupid or lazy. You are literally just spending all of your time and energy trying to be good at something that you don't care about. And that's okay. Nor does this thing align with any of your talents. But trust me, you do have talents and you will feel smart again. And you will find something that you are ready to like really put all of your energy into. I think I just got so exhausted and burnt out from doing something that I just really wasn't naturally great at. So in this age of opportunity, stop wasting your time and beating yourself up over being a fish that can't climb a tree. It's totally okay. Just it's the most responsible thing you could do is to stop beating yourself up and being like, oh my gosh, am I entitled? I I think I just need to suck it up and learn how to be good at anything that's set in front of me. Nope. I think that the most responsible thing I could have done was just to go 
understand what my talents are, and then faithfully find a job that's aligned with it, not just for my own personal comfort so that I could have a sense of self-confidence again, but this is just logic. Like, don't stop wasting your time (laughs) doing something that you're not great at when there are so many options out there for you to do something that you're great at or that has daily tasks that are aligned with your natural abilities and talents. So, and this isn't something that I just needed to hear. I actually, so many of my clients um, are people that have always really strongly identified with being high performers and had a strong sense of internal motivation, um, especially in their past experiences, like in school and in internships. But uh, this phenomenon uh, that I see in a lot of these people's lives that kind of relate to this similar mindset that I related to is that once you get into full-time work after college and there's no time limit or external validation like grades or school, it's not just like your senior year, you know, you're in this job until you decide not to be. (laughs) And once there's no external validation like that, they start to lose, and as did I, start to lose a lot of steam because they have to find the purpose in the work itself. And sometimes if that's just not possible because it's a terrible fit for them, they start to lose a lot of steam and even their age-old desire to perform really well, which can throw you into a lot of confusion. Like, wait, what the heck? I always took so much pride in my work. I'm such a high achiever. Like, I feel like such a, a failure for the first time in my life. And sure, some of that needs to be an attitude adjustment and having grit. Um, and that's perfectly fine. But I think I did really need to hear that. Just move on. <laughs> like, you are not like your identity it is not stupid or lazy like that's not who you are it's totally okay it's just that like I just really remember that phrase like you're trying to be a fish climbing a tree just actually go get into the pond <laughs> cut off your own agony here <laughs> um so I my encouragement in this case if you relate to this is that you will get that ambition and sense of self back again when you're in a job that's aligned with something that you actually find any sort of purpose in um, and your daily tasks are something that utilize your specific talents. The second um, and final piece of advice that I think my younger self needed to hear about stepping into who I was created to be was that you do not have to become what other people seem to value you don't. You could be fully yourself in your career. And I think I really got wrapped up in a negative cycle when I was in business school. And I looked around and I was in a group of really high achievers. And um, I was just so confused because I I thought, oh gosh, it seems like the people that get praised the most or do the best or um, yeah, especially it seems like they are the perfect business person. They were um, kind of uh, very regimented, not super passionate people, just kind of very, very pragmatic. And that's so awesome. That is not 100% how I would describe myself. I 
am very fiery, passionate, quirky, um, joking, um, self-deprecating at times, which I did learn how to rein in um, because I think some of that came from a lack of self-confidence. Um, but I, I really just was such a people person, a soft skills person, even an idealist. And I thought I really had to beat that down because I thought I just looked like a fool and I needed to be this very like, I think almost my voice changed to like how it sounds today, honestly, sometimes like very serious and matter of fact and um, and like say no more than what needs to exactly what needs to be said, which I think, again, is fine. Uh, that could be a really good trait. But I think I just started to get in this negative pattern of really beating myself into a mold of what I perceived was the most valuable trait in this particular business sort of competitive environment. Um, when in reality, I just wish I would confidently stand in the fact that like, let someone else be that purely get it done, task oriented, ultra professional corporate person. Like through maturity, of course, like I've learned to be that when needed and just to have more balance in my, in who I am and my personality. And I think that we could all learn from and adapt to a lot of different traits that are necessary for the moment. But the core of who I am is like very quirky, passionate dreamer <laughs> type of personality. Um, and that's okay. Like you could fully be that with maturity, you will balance that out with more pragmatism. But don't try to stamp out your deepest traits and just pretend like who someone else is and their personality is more valuable than yours and you need to pretend to be that. Ooh, that would have been really nice if I could have just embodied that. Probably would have saved a lot of angst and um, lack of confidence. But who am I kidding? I don't think that you could actually be fully saved from those things. It's just a normal experience. All right, I'm going to go into the third and final realm of advice that I would definitely love to give my younger self. Um, and one of them, the first is more personal and the second is more about like professional and networking. And this first one, honestly, um, if you listened to my 2019 yearly recap, like what I learned and experiences and whatever, um, you'll know that I never, ever, ever dated until like a year ago. <laughs> um, and I always was really, I, I think, self-conscious about that. I, I thought there was something wrong with me when in reality, it just wasn't God's timing. And I think I believed I was a lot more open to it than I actually was when in reality, I was just very appropriately like for who I am and my stage of life at that time, very, very focused on my career. And I look back and I just think that was such a gift to be single at that time. And I see how much that honestly changed my life so much. And I'm so grateful. And like, God was definitely so sovereign to just have me be single for all those initial years of my career. And I think that this um, 
it depends on like the culture that you are surrounded by. But for the culture I was surrounded by, especially in college, I went to Texas A&M University, which I saw somewhere a few years back that it was ranked as like the number two university in the nation for most number of marriages, like either during school or right after graduation or engagements, or they measured it, something like that. The fact of the matter is, it is just such a common thing to for this university's culture, which is so kind of funny now that I think about it, to just settle down. There was this um, term like ring by spring, like literally get engaged before you graduate, which is so wild to be that young. And I have so many friends that did get married and did find you know their spouse in college, which is perfectly fine. That's awesome that that, that was their story. But I think since I was surrounded by that so much, um, me and many other people I talked to who were in a similar boat as me, um, who went to that university just kind of got caught up in this like, oh my gosh, am I like that, that's such a focus that everyone has. Should I be focused on that? Like, am I missing out? Should I have found my life partner in college? And so I think that was really on my mind a lot. And so I was a little at times really down, like what's wrong with me? Even four years after graduating college, I never, I wasn't into dating. I um, had never, yeah, never dated anyone. But I realized that that is exactly what I needed to be in, like, just totally independent, autonomous. I, I was able to make a lot of decisions that were big and at times risky. And I was able to just completely discover who I am and what that means for my career without having to be distracted. I now realize how honestly distracting dating is um, and how I'm so glad that I waited to really be in such a solid place in my life where I know who I am. I know what I want to do. I've started something big in my life and, and really started to establish myself in my business. And I think it just would have been way too distracting to have that early on. And also to be so detached that I could just move from Dallas to Austin when I felt like it was the time. And anyway, I just really, I have to like praise God that at the time I didn't understand it. And of course, I think there was many moments where I thought like, oh my gosh, I, I wish that I was dating someone. But I just look back and I realize how improbable that would have been because the first two years of my career, oh my gosh, I was constantly working constantly and I was stressed and I had a lot of responsibilities and I was just trying to get used to being an adult and graduating college. So gosh, now looking back, I can't imagine throwing dating into the mix. And then the first, uh, I would say, year and a half uh, of starting my business Whew, that was another time I had enough to focus on. So um, if you are also single and you kind of wish that you weren't, I hope that what I'm saying is an encouragement to you that there is such a gift in it. And you just honestly never know if it is your desire to be married at all. Um, you never know when that person is just going to walk into your life and when they do, you can't just go back and like take back your singleness. 
Uh, I mean, unless you decide to no longer be with that person. Um, but you will have wished that you really, it's my guess, that you might wish that you really just lived your single life to the full and made your bold decisions, really figured out who you were, and I guess really appreciated all the freedom that that brings and also all the time and the mental space you have to just focus on yourself. Um, And I, I know that this is an encouragement that I have given to actually many of the um, single clients that I've worked with that are like, oh gosh, like, well, I, I don't want to, I'm kind of concerned about all these career moves. Like, what if I move somewhere new? Like, I'm going to have to kind of start over with my social circles. And if I make all these changes or focus so much on my career, is that going to take away from my focus on dating? When what I've seen to be true time and time again is that you meet more of your type of person when you're acting in your like you're living in your lane you're living into who you were made to be you're pursuing your passions your hobbies the correct the career path that you're obsessed with like all this stuff so i just hope that you fully like mm, take that single life and live it to the full it is totally okay um I will go ahead and move on to this final piece of advice that's more on the professional front of relationships, which is your, oh, it's just all about networking, okay? <laughs> I am laughing right now because I look back and I think I, I used to have this perception that networking was just such an awkward, dreaded, I used to literally say I hated networking And now it's honestly one of my favorite parts about my job is that it is one that I have an ever-expanding network and that's super exciting to me now. And I love to meet new people, connect with new people and learn from them and work with them and whatnot. Um, But I used to just think of networking as an awkward and stressful thing that you did when you needed to seek a professional contact out to be pushy and get them to do you a favor. And no wonder I hated it if that's what I thought it was. But now I see establishing solid networking practices is honestly one of the most massive foundational game changers that differentiates people Uh, There's a bunch of ways that you could say this, and I hesitate to just say successful people from not successful people, because how do you even measure that? But people who I think you would, okay, let me say it this way. If you seek to have a diverse, expansive, exciting career in which you achieve really unique and creative things, uh, get plugged into unique amazing opportunities, um, achieve new heights, impact a lot of people. I think a lot of that actually has to do with networking. Otherwise, it's just like the conveyor belt of applying to pretty generic job postings that like, let's hope that you get pushed through to be one of the like 0.04% of people, like the candidate that actually gets selected from the pool of hundreds of applicants. Um, when I think networking is what gives that like create your own luck factor to your career. Um, I For this, I really recommend that you read the book, The Third Door. That book, oh, one of the best business books I have ever read. It's not even 
a business book per se. Um, it's really just the author's incredible story of how he ended up being a college student that had this crazy dream and wrote this book and ended up for that book being able to interview people from anywhere from like Lady Gaga to Bill Gates and his story with how he landed those interviews as someone who started with, quote, like no network, no connections, no reason to be able to get into these circles. So I think his story and example of what a network really means and how to grow one is I, I literally shoved that book in all of my friends' faces and clients like you need to read it. But the advice um, just to get focused again that I would give my younger self is that your network really is everything. It's also more expansive and fun than you would think. And it's going to become hopefully one of, well, I would recommend that you implement the practices I'm about to talk about or the mindset shifts I'm going to talk about. Um, that will allow it to be one of the most life-giving things that you do professionally. And so I, instead of that initial image that I described of it being an awkward, pushy task where you're just seeking favors. Instead, I found that networking is actually just a way of life in which you get to learn from, be inspired by, catch up with, support, and be supported by anyone you have known, like anyone, loose ties, strong ties, whatever, or anyone you want to reach out and get to know. It is so much more expansive than your past and current co-workers and the people you know from college. It's so much more than that. Um, I think I used to just, when I thought of the word network, I only thought of people I knew from professional type circumstances. But no, it's all sorts of people from people you meet while doing your hobbies, family, friends, friends of friends, church, um, your other, I don't know, like extracurricular organizations and people you even meet at weddings and birthday parties. Like I have become really good friends with. Um, like I even went back up to Dallas to visit this friend that I only met one other time. We hung out over a weekend at an old roommate's bachelorette party. And so that's a network. Like, what? <laughs> and it's even people you who just you only know from the internet. That's kind of a funny thing these days, like just having Instagram friends or whatever. But it's people you engage with on their posts or um, LinkedIn, on LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram. And it's even the people looking back that I went on a study abroad with that I didn't even really hang out with that much, but I know of them. Yeah, those people are totally in your network and like you could strike, you could catch up with them. You could ask how it's going. You could engage with their LinkedIn posts. You could be happy for them, inspired by them, learn from them, ask them a question based on what you know they're doing now. That go like that is your network. And it's so much bigger than you would have thought. And it's full of people that you could reach out to um, and you could cheer them on and they could cheer you on. And it, it's even people that you had like a random group project with in college. I think what I'm getting at here is that it's people from all sorts of situations in your life. And even those that you think are like, oh, we don't really have a strong relationship. They're a super loose connection. Like you don't feel like you have much of a foundation or a relationship. That's totally fine. Like you, your chance is not lost and you could build one. Like if you want to learn something from them, if you want to hear about how they got that job that you recently saw they posted on LinkedIn about, you can 
reach out and ask them. And I have developed really good friends that way. Literally. Like this one girl I was connecting with a couple of weeks back, I cannot remember any meaningful interaction we had on this study abroad trip we were both on way back in college. But um, she saw that I posted on LinkedIn about my career coaching practice. She reached out to me and we ended up having an amazing conversation. And it was so fun catching up about what she's done and what I've done as well. And then she ended up connecting me with a mentor of hers from her law degree. And then guess what? new network. And I ended up having an amazing conversation with that person who is now like giving me um, even more feedback and connections for some speaking events that I want to do. It's just like it goes on and on. And that's an example to show you that your network is legitimately full, full of people, whether you're like you feel you're close with them or not. It's and it could be amazing to see how all that works out. So I now, um, like, I I think if I encouraged, had any encouragement to give my younger self, it's just that your network is actually, it's not this like gross word, like network of people that you want to go take advantage of and like hit up for a favor. No, 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 no. It's an exciting brain trust of cheerleaders, advisors, friends, colleagues, um, future co-workers, future clients, like whatever. It is not just a handful of people who have done well for themselves so you could like be weird and hit them up for a pushy favor. <laughs> no, your network is literally a life-giving community of people you're learning from and growing with. And so um, I, I just wish that I would have tapped into that sooner. It's not like I have any regrets. I'm really glad where I've come to be with this topic now, but I think my younger self could have used some advice and encouragement that um, this networking is actually a really fun thing. So don't give up on it. Develop the skill. It's truly a skill. And it there are also a lot of mindset shifts um, that are wrapped up in that that I'm describing, but it leads to such good things. And I think the ability to develop, maintain, and grow a strong network is truly what sets, like it is really what sets um, apart people's careers as ones that we would, I think, typically deem as successful or the people that get really amazing opportunities or even just Honestly, I'm thinking of this image of like, I think those are the people that get to have like one really amazing retirement party because they have so many people that they're glad that they got to support people who support them um, and whatnot. And I think honestly, just by how much I've grown into all these concept I've, concepts I'm mentioning with networking is the reason why this past Tuesday on my birthday, I had the most, like, they brought me to tears, like, amazing birthday messages. Gosh, I'm losing my words. Um, birthday messages and well wishes from people near and far all over the place. I got so many messages and I was just overwhelmed with love. And I think that's really just because I dropped my former pretense of what networking was. And I really just have built really amazing 
friendships and relationships and have loved getting to know and keep up with so many people and honor them and learn from them and support them. And yeah, so I've just been so blessed by that. So my younger self that literally would consistently say she, quote, hated networking. Look at how that turns around. (laughs) So um, also just on a very practical note, um, I truly have seen in my career coaching practice and helping a lot of people that the best job opportunities come from networking. Obviously, they're, it's the best opportunities are like the 90% of the iceberg that are under the surface. And often that like under the surface bit are just the opportunity that your network knows about and can connect you with if only you asked, which they would be happy to do if you have done the work of building a genuine relationship with them. Um, and an example recently, I was just talking with a client yesterday um, uh, in terms of an example of like getting these hidden or finding out about these hidden job opportunities is this client is seeking out a job in production for DreamWorks um, or one of the other big seven studios in Hollywood. And one of her um, only through her networking has she been able to come up with a list of exciting job roles that literally you wouldn't have found on Google. You would not have found on um, any, certainly any job posting sites, because especially in that industry, a lot of those jobs will never hit any online job posting that is open to the public. It is truly filled through internal referrals or internal networking and referrals. And that's actually the case with more industries than you would have thought, most likely. I recently saw a study in which it described that 80% of jobs are never posted to the public. They are filled through internal referrals and networking. So what you see online are the 20% um, of open jobs that that there's no wonder hundreds of people are going after each of those job postings because the vast majority of job seekers aren't actually doing the networking uh, work of it. They are only going to apply and throw their resume at visible opportunities. But trust me, networking is everything. It gets you faster into better opportunities and it gets you access since you're if you choose to be one of the few people that really is a masterful networker then you're in a smaller pool of applicants for a bigger pool of jobs that is so amazing so anyway i definitely think that my younger self would have loved to hear that and speaking of what i would have loved to hear i would love to hear what advice you would give your younger self in your career. Um, to do that, you could always email me at kelsey at kelseykemp.com. I have loved being pen pals with some of you. Um, you could also DM me on Instagram, kelsey underscore the called career. Um, as always, feel free to subscribe. I would be so appreciative if you left a quick rating and a review. And if you would like help discerning your unique calling, like what you are called to do with your career and exactly what job opportunities, real job opportunities that align with your preferences, 
are best aligned with that, then go ahead and check out my website, kelseykemp.com slash coaching, in which you could learn more about my process in my two coaching programs, the deep dive, my signature two month program in which I walk you through discerning your calling, identifying the job that's aligned with it, and then actually landing that job or starting that business if you're called to entrepreneurship. And then otherwise, I also offer the Career Clarity Kickstart, which is the first half of that equation in which I help you discern your calling and identify the job that's aligned with it. If you're interested in any of that, you can go to kelseykemp.com to apply for a free consultation in the next week so we could get to know each other and assess if career coaching is truly the perfect fit for you and it's the right time to go for it. All right, I will see you on over there or on this podcast, answer the call next week, next Tuesday for the next episode. Bye.